Hello, how are you doing out there in Geek Fives Nation? This is your friend, pal, boy, whatever you have to say, Dane Alves, with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Coming with you back on the day that we normally do it, of Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, I don't know what the hell is going to happen next week, because that's, I mean, soon all hell is going to break loose. But the person to help me put that back together, my good friend and co-host, Christopher Ray Patton. How are you doing tonight, sir? Doing great, man. Much more awake than I was uh, Saturday. Apologies for that once again. <laughs> How are you, Dane? I'm doing good, man. It's no big deal. You know, it was it was a weird morning. We had to change stuff to Saturday, and that's supposed to be a lazy day. But, <laughs> Chris, I think uh, coming up soon, we're going to be doing probably some Saturday shows because uh, otherwise I don't know how the fuck we're going to fit in all these reviews and stuff. Yeah, man, uh, for sure. We're going to have so much to talk about um, with AEW and then uh, some news articles of a, a show that's actually going to be on TV that you can find maybe here in the near future. Um, yeah, we have a lot of shit to talk about, for sure. Lord. And one of those things uh, that we have to talk about, we'll just get right into it in the news. Um, you know, we have, like you're saying, basically, we have uh, next week NXT goes live. Uh, tonight's the first or the last night that's on the network that's pre-recorded, and then we're going to be going live uh, next week. Uh, in a couple weeks, uh, AEW will be going on the same night. Raw and SmackDown, obviously Raw is staying on USA on Mondays uh, very, very soon. SmackDown will be moving it to Friday evenings uh, for everyone to enjoy. But not only that. NWA, we talked about it last time, is going to be coming and making their own entity on a channel, um, and that's great. And then on top of that, it seems like Access TV is going to be the premier wrestling space, Chris. Uh, Anthem, Sports and Enter- Anthem Sports and Entertainment has acquired a majority stake in Access Television. That is the television station that also hosts New Japan and Women of Wrestling. Uh, coincidentally, you know, uh, on Women of Wrestling, one of the premier people is Tessa Blanchard. She is also a part of a wrestling um, organization that's going to be moving there called Impact that Anthem owns. So potentially in the future, based off of what's going to happen as far as, you know, now that Mark Cuban has kind of stepped and sold, if you will, stepped down and sold, we have new ownership, one of them being Steve Harvey, so that's actually, I think, a good thing just in general uh, as far as uh, building the station because Steve Harvey, he invests in very smart projects. He usually looks into stuff. But popularity of wrestling, I don't blame some people for wanting to buy out the station, work together, and try to contribute a wrestling slot is what I'm assuming or line up wrestling uh, programming that a lot of fans like me and Christopher and a lot of wrestling audience with New Japan – um, enjoy and can get into. Chris, how do you feel about you know um, the the accusation of Access Television from Mark Cuban to Anthem Sports and Entertainment, and the fact that you know unless I guess they they make New Japan and and Women of Wrestling like go to another station, which I don't know why they would do that because of Impact. Do you think that we have potential to see like a lineup or all these like wrestling organizations, if not? you know, intermingling, actually working together, at least on a, a production level for a broadcasting station. Long-winded. Well, that's where this kind of, 
Yeah, I mean, this is kind of where it gets a little interesting is that these, you know, the deals that they've been talking back since, I guess, June, I want to say. And one of the big selling points of, of uh, one of the big things they said about buying it is they wanted Impact to be on access. They want to get that thing back on a TV station that people have. Obviously, not as many people have it as a pop or Destination America, but it is still widely seen uh, as opposed to what they're on now. I can't even think of what the hell the station is called, and that's not me being sarcastic. I mean it is like a very, very small station, um, but yeah, that's one of the big things. I think more of my questions coming into this is uh, you know, if Anthem's going to keep the TV contract with New Japan as it is, do you force – New Japan to work with Impact and open up that partnership, and then what is their feelings now that they're going to have? I bet you Okada would with... not love that. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but also, what what are the overall feelings between all elite wrestlers AEW being broadcast on their network, basically getting double promotion for people like John Moxley and Chris Jericho and. Um, you know, in the fu- the future, hopefully, uh, he still has contract dates left, Kenny Omega, because then you're actually promoting a product that's on a different station, and obviously we don't know when these shows are going to be ran. Um, do you make a fuss about that? And if you make a fuss about that, it is going to affect New Japan's product because the big, the big, the big shows that they show on Access are always recaps of the big pay-per-views. Um, you know, they do have like a weekly New Japan like highlight show that they do, but for the most part, when people are watching Access or whatever I've posted about it on the page, it's always movement based on the fact that, you know, you can rewatch Wrestle Kingdom with American commentating, uh, specifically when JR was there. Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, the women of wrestling, I think they're going to be fine. I don't see any changes there, but impact intermingling with New Japan and how they're going to work that out. Is it going to be on Friday nights? Is it going to be on Thursday nights? Obviously. They have a little less room to run that product with NXT and AEW going head-to-head and Raw being Monday nights, which is always going to be wrestling on Monday, and then uh, SmackDown moving to Friday. That really only opens you up for Saturday, which is AEW's pay-per-view night, or Thursday. You know, it's kind of a it's, – it's a weird scenario. I think it's great to – because Impact has really turned their product around in a lot of ways since Don Callis – has taken over, so I'm interested to see what that weekly TV is going to look like because I, I can't lie. I haven't really kept up with it as much as uh, I, pos- I probably could. There's just so much other wrestling out there right now. It's When I when I find myself watching it, it's the big pay-per-views and probably the highlights building to those pay-per-view matches. But, yeah, I mean, I think this is a good deal overall for Anthem. Um, it's weird because they own other TV stations that they could kind of put wrestling on, but it also makes sense from the standpoint that – this is a known quantity for wrestling with um, even going back a while. I, I don't know if they do this every state, but George, like ring of honor will come on access at times. And you have, like you said, wow. And you have uh, obviously new Japan. So you've kind of established yourself as a wrestling channel. And the only other stuff they really show on there is concerts. And I think like Sammy Hagar has a like reality show based around music. And then, there's like one or two other shows that are based around movie trailers. Um, but yeah, that's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I mean, they could just show wrestling all the time because in theory, Anthem owns the back catalog to impact. So for all we know, they could just be like every Sunday night, we're going to show 
old episodes of Impact or something. You know, there, there's some cool shit that they could do. So I'm interested to see where they go with it for sure. Now, obviously, I don't want any type of ownership over New Japan from Anthem or anything like that. But I will say the concept is if, if they can get these companies to work together, at least the three of them, and maybe try to get through the, the production of Anthem and through the production of the channel itself, maybe an online feature to have like their libraries kind of like, like maybe a joint package or something like that uh, for, you know, if you want to stream it uh, on top of this, they can do lots of stuff if they work together. And I will even say, I know ring of honor is owned by Sinclair and they have like local stations that they put it on. I know they go to fight TV. So I'm wondering because it has been on access before. I'm, I'm just wondering if there is a future where those four entities, especially New Japan Impact and Ring of Honor, can coexist on a station, Chris. And uh, if this will – like I'm wondering – all right, so obviously it's the business of New Japan by themselves as an organization. They work with Ring of Honor. But their TV platform over in America is off of this station itself. So now that their competition technically for Ring of Honor is going to be on the same station, what would they have? Would they be forced then to change it, or would that not matter? Can they be, be diplomatic since it's between ownership of an actual station having a lineup for television sta- uh, shows, or does it go back to the actual wrestling organizations, Impact, New Japan? It's very, it's 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 a uh, it's a very interesting concept. I'm. Um, Looking forward to seeing what they can provide in the future. But I will say if they were able to do an overhaul and give us some type of online thing that connects all the sites together, and especially from New Japan because I tried them for a month, something that's a little bit more user-friendly, that would be an awesome contribution because I would love to be able to look at the library from Impact, the library from New Japan, wow, all accessed right in front of me uh, on top of their station. But Ken, Ken Ring of Honor like work together with this, like would this force new Japan to get out or it does it have nothing to do with it. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I mean, the big thing is, is if new new Japan feels like that their television is getting squeezed, they can leave after their TV deals done, or they can try to rework depending on what their contracts like. There may have been a buyership or, or some kind of clause in the contract that says if the company switches ownership that they can, you know, rework that television contract. So that's kind of the thing that's up in the air. I don't foresee them trying to, merge those streaming networks because New Japan makes so much money off their streaming services where I don't know the impact and Ring of Honor are in the same ballpark Um, because you just got to think about New Japan overseas and here with their streaming service versus, you know, kind of Ring of Honor service, which isn't as big and and, um, impact service, which isn't as big. What I do think they can do is since Anthem owns impact, they definitely can utilize that back catalog and show old wrestling they could even do like uh like they've done in the past for youtube where they're like hey every week we're gonna do a retro show and put like four great impact matches on and you can just tune in and watch this so they can expose you know as far as streaming goes they can expose things that you may want to watch on their streaming service and promote it that way i think that would actually be really smart i'm surprised that like you know wwe doesn't do that on like sundays where there's not a pay-per-view running um, where they're like, look, this is uh, kind of like Sunday Night Heat, but we're going to show classic matches and, and do like a recap of it. 
um, or something with, with maybe even have some wrestlers come in and talk about it. Like they're reviewing the matches, almost like a director's commentary, uh, commentary or something. I think there's a lot of cool stuff that they could do. Um, but like I said, I think the biggest thing here is what night are they going to put impact on and how it affects New Japan overall. I think New Japan is going to be fine as long as they don't try to move you know, that Friday time slot um, or change the way that they're producing their shows or anything, which I, which I really don't think they're going to do. Um, it's, it's interesting in general. It's cool to have a network that's going to have three to four wrestling companies on it. Um, I, I don't know what this means for people that watch Access just for music <laughs> and concerts because that is kind of their big thing on the weekend is they show, like I said, they show a ton of concerts. Like I've watched all sorts of concerts on there, the Eagles and Clapton and uh, Blues Travelers. They have all sorts of weird shit that comes on there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, that they do have a potential to have multiple wrestling shows on multiple nights that are new content for that channel that I think will draw wrestling fans in. It's just a matter of making sure you're not running those shows at the same time as AEW or WWE because if they try to do that, I think it, it, it's going to that, – that'll kill them. It already sucks bad enough that if you're a New Japan fan and you only watch on Access, now SmackDown is on Friday. Um, so that's – that's kind of weird in itself there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's a, it's a very interesting concept uh, in itself. So we'll have to obviously, you know, it's one of those things where I say we have to wait and see, but uh, I'm looking forward to the station. You know, I love music and I love wrestling. So maybe I need to get cable just for this fucking station. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm just saying Uh, that's why I was actually more, trying to go along with streaming concepts, but maybe I just need to go and give those other platforms a chance and try to uh, figure them out a little bit. But I love your idea with uh, impact taking advantage, uh, you know, on that station, if they have an open chunk on some type of night doing a retro night, Uh, I wish WWE would actually take advantage of that. The closest thing they do on their network, at least lately. And I hope that they, this actually can be a, a kind of a fun conversation, Chris. Um, Moving away from that, talking about streaming, talking about the network, the new format I'm getting used to. I think uh, I like that they're trying to turn basically the um, format of the whole entire thing into essentially Netflix, like more something like that. The way that they, you know, the interface and everything itself is is built. Um, I've had issues, but I like being able to go to a certain superstar and then having everything lined up chronologically and going back. Um, it's not as detailed as I'd like it to be, but they just came out with something. I don't know if you saw it on there. They did, I guess it's like a anniversary. Maybe it's like, I don't remember what year it is, but it's the anniversary of the intercontinental title. And so on the network, they had a 20, not the best matches, but they said the matches that define the intercontinental title. And I agree with some, I disagreed with a lot, but it was an, a seven hour just block that you could just watch and go between matches one thing with uh, – this is going to be hard for New Japan Impact to jump on, but since WWE has been leading the train with this, I would love for them to be able to take a superstar. And sh- they do this on YouTube all the damn time. I watched all of – I think it was like CM Punk's buildup uh, for a pay-per-view. Every – it went on WWE's actual YouTube page. They jumped from segment to segment, week to week, building up to the fight between him and John Cena at TLC. I wish that they would take that 
And if you wanted to go back and watch Har or not Harley, uh, I mean that too. But if you wanted to go and watch Dusty and uh, Ric Flair build up to their match with their promos in it and everything that they interacted with, actually to cut it out and be able to do that, that'd be one thing that I feel like they're trying to push towards. That I feel like WWE should try to utilize. But I like their attempts at trying to chunk things together because I enjoy the Intercontinental Title thing. Um, even though I didn't agree that some of the matches should have been in there. Do you know, have you checked out the network or messed around with the new platform? I Yes, and I don't really like the new layout of it that much. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the things that I don't like about it, but um, I, there are nifty things that they are trying. And being that it was bought by a whole new, you know, it's a whole new company designing this network. It's there, There's a lot of things that I think they're going to get better as time goes along. Because if you remember when, WWE Network first came out, it was really rough in comparison to this. So this isn't, you know, as bad as that, but um, there, there's definitely things that, that I dislike. Now, I, I will say that they've, in the past, they've done a really good job, not to the extent you're talking about where you get full promos and everything, um, but they've done a good job with certain wrestlers like Eddie Guerrero. They have like basically all of his matches leading up to him winning the title, like all of his big highlight matches from WCW all the way to WWF. Um, that you could watch. And it's like, you know, 10 hours of wrestling if you just want to sit down and watch all Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> but I would love for you to like, you know, for them to pick a wrestler, like say Shawn Michaels, and have him sit in a room and uh, with, with, you know, an announcer, whichever announcer you want to do, maybe JBL or, or someone, and just go over his matches. Like something like that would be fun. And I think that's something Impact could do that they're not – that hasn't been thought of like on TV and they've done it in the past where they've done like during the impact t- the tape tapings, they would show you a classic match. Uh, they kind of got away from that. But if I think if you did a whole show like that, it could be very entertaining um, whether it's on stream and, and obviously with, with WWF, you just have such a catalog. You can do so many wrestlers, especially if you're doing what you're talking about. Like you could do the entire Harley race build up to the flare match um, from Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1983. Like, they own all of that footage. So you could, you know, build a masterpiece if you wanted to do that just for one storyline, um, which would be fucking amazing. I just, it, I would love you gotta it. remember that it, someone has to cut all that crap together, so I don't know how much effort they're Fuck gonna, up. they would, would spend on something like that, and that's why I guess you kind of, <laughs> I always tend to lean towards YouTube, because that's always fan love kind of thing, where you're gonna let me watch all of this stuff on the network and clip it together into one nice, neat little package. But yeah, I, I would love for them to do more stuff like that. The intercontinental title stuff. I did watch a little bit of it. Um, I'm assuming the big match is probably what macho man and, and Ricky, the dragon steamboat, and then Sean yeah. and razor. Those are probably yeah, those the big two, two the that big they ones. highlight. So yeah, it's on there too, which um, I was like, all right, it was a good match, but I was like defining the Intercontinental title. Maybe I just haven't realized uh, how important that one was. I don't. Well, I wonder if it's when they brought the belt back and they made it, you know, the white icy title again. It was. If that's the it case. Was. Then that was a that was kind of a defining moment because for the longest time they had that ugly, you know, that title from the, the Attitude Era that was black and, and circular with like the United States painted on it or the world painted on it or whatever. It was just a really terrible looking title. And that title kind of just fell into the abyss and they did nothing with it for a long time. So if you look at it from like 
the history of where the IC title is now, that probably is a defining moment of the Intercontinental title because it kind of got rescued from obscurity when they switched that belt back to white and had Cody Rhodes uh, kind of have a run with it and, and Miz and, and Ziggler there for a bit. So I, I, you know, I don't have as big of a problem with those two being on there from that standpoint. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't have a problem. It's just like, obviously, if you don't define – um, it was smart of them. They didn't do a one through 20 or anything like that. They were just saying these are 20 great matches through the eras that define the Intercontinental title. So it's much more subjective. But when you have that match and you also have the Ricky and fucking Randy Savage, which is one of the greatest matches of all time outside the Intercontinental, I guess that's why my mind. But now that you mention it and there was that importance, it makes sense. They did have a really good match, so I can't really complain. But um, I think it would be nice if that ends up happening, I think that they have the means. It's just trying to get someone to do it. And, you know, if that takes Vince opening up a door in some fucking, you know, basement cellar uh, prison or whatever and going, John, have you done it yet? Have you gotten the Harley Wasteland Flair one? And no, I haven't seen my family in days. They're going to keep on doing it or you're fired. And then slamming the door. If John's going to fucking do that, man, I think John could take one for the team, suck it up, and finish some compilations. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> now, one thing I will say is they should do a better job, and they, they do do this on the movies they used to release to DVD, where you almost give like an NFL film perspective where you have the voice off, like the voice over explaining why they picked this. You know what I mean? Because like, I shouldn't have to come up with that off the top of my head to tell you well, that's right when they brought back the white. You know what I mean? They should be able to tell you that during whatever compilation that they're doing so that you know, okay, well, that's why this match is here. Because like you said, yeah, if you're like in comparison to like Sean versus Razor or Macho Man versus, uh, <laughs> versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, you're probably like, the fuck, why is this match here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I like the attempt. That's all I have to say. It was actually a lot of fun to watch some of those matches, and I'm glad they did that. I hope they do more of it. That, that That's a good... Uh, amount of content. I think that the the commentary is definitely something they need to do. If you guys, if you're interested in commentary, though, one thing that's good, if you go to either something to wrestle with, which is uh, the Bruce Pritchard uh, podcast, I think they, I think that Conrad's done them with the uh, with Tony and Eric before in the past, but they have a lot of them, and you can kind of just like search them into Google, go right to the page, right to the actual show. But they'll do like uh, they'll do ones for that, and Edge and Christian have done two amazing ones, one with Sean and Mankind for their match, their very underrated match at uh, Mind Games, and one for Brett and Stone Cold for WrestleMania 13 and their match. So just uh, food for thought, anyone out there trying to find some commentaries for wrestling, for some of the stuff on the network, it is out there. But WWE needs to make it themselves so we don't have to do three things at once or two things or whatever the hell. Any last comments before I move on? Yeah, I would say TNA should do it first before WWE gets there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so TNA, on that anyone, shit. if anyone from Impact's listening to this, you have a smaller catalog. It should be a lot easier, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of superstars, especially ones that are not under WWE contracts, that you could loop in to come talk about this stuff. I think that would be really, really great. Yeah, what the fuck is Ken Anderson doing right now? Go ask him to do some damn, you know, give him, give him, give us the paychecks and help him out a little bit. Uh, I, I was agree. gonna say I get Ken be... Anderson. Get I was gonna say get Anderson and Eric Young because I forgot Eric Young was on the WWE roster. 
yeah, this is a great this is a great match over here that we're out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That that's, that's that's Eric Young has a very very deep voice. If you didn't know that, so I apologize. Yeah. All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, so uh, we, we have some news. It was kind of subtly, uh, and uh, actually, if you go to our website at geekbuysnation.com, we have an article up about it. It was a breakdown of an interview that uh, Triple H did recently. I think it was actually today. Uh, one talking about the importance of being a Florida base over at Full Sail and the fan base they have there and why he wants to stay there. Well, as he's, he, he wants to stay there until Vince tells him to take it on the road in a couple of months if it does well. Uh, but also that and the importance of their coaching and the lifers that are there, like, you know, exactly what's going to happen. But I think the most interesting is he was approached with the question of what is exactly going to happen to a five live. Cause as we know, uh, once SmackDown moves to Friday, they have another hour show that's going to come out, I believe on the network uh, that follows it up. Um, and they also are going to have a, they're going to have something that's going to happen on the network at the same time. That's going to happen. I think, maybe a third hour, something like that they were thinking about doing, but they're going to have like an actual on Fox, a, a show, an after show that Renee Young is supposed to host. Talking smack basically is coming back, bitches. Um, but that, and the fact that NXT is coming back, everyone's been asking what the hell's going on with 205 Live. So one of the questions was, um, do, will we see superstars from 205 Live and NXT what exactly is going to happen to 205 Live as it pertains to NXT becoming a weekly television series since we don't know if it's going to have a show anymore or at least be recorded right after SmackDown. And in uh, my best Hunter voice, uh, the quote was, you, you'll start to see 205 begin to. I, I think it always existed as an island unto itself uh, a little bit, and, and it becomes lost in this little... I can't do this anymore. <clears throat> <laughs> God, how does he talk like that? I mean, seriously, does he smoke cigarettes and we just don't know about it? <laughs> Fuck. All right, it's, so uh, I'll, I'll do again. <laughs> I have no idea, man. Like, I, I, I know that he is hard uh, smoking, drinking, or doing any kind of drugs, except for maybe roids in the early 2000s. But I was sure before that CM... That CM Punk was around uh, talking about straight edge. <laughs> all right. You'll start to see TO5 begin to, uh, I think always it's existed on an island by itself a little bit, and it becomes lost in limbo. You'll begin to see it move more towards the NXT banner and the talent there. We have a lot of talent. For them to begin to compete either open against anyone uh, or in the Cruiserweight division – but have that title sit under NXT brand is more meaningful. It creates more opportunities for more people. As for Raw and SmackDown, it's an open division for them. When you're on both shows, everybody is competing against everybody. I gotta, I gotta admit, and I thought this the first time I heard this quote, Chris. I have no idea what the fuck that means. I have no idea now, still, what the hell's happened to 205 Live. Um, I don't know if he's saying that basically the cruiserweight division is going to float around all three of them. He said that it's going to be absorbed, but then he was talking about SmackDown Raw. You heard my quote, and it was terrible, but what does that mean to you? Man, I think that their intention is to stay at full sale, but I I, I just don't – I see them going 
on the road if they're going to do live shows. I, I just can't see them staying in that same building because the crowd reaction is going to suffer from that. Um, you're getting a very smart crowd. They're always going to be there. You're going to get the same audience every time. They're not recording it anymore, so they can't control as much of that as they're going to going live. I give it until like November before they start traveling and recording stuff in like Atlanta. And I mean, maybe they're not going all over the United States, but I, I do see them branching out. Like there's no reason why they wouldn't do a show at like center stage, which is where ring of honor does some of their live recorded shows. Um, and NXT. Yeah. I just don't, I, I don't see them just saying, okay, we're going to sit here in full cell and this is, we're going to do this live every week. Kind of like ECW did with the bingo hall. I don't, especially cause they're going head to head with AEW. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I do think that they – it's going to save them money by doing that, but I – that's going to be the first thing Vince is going to try to change if, if the ratings aren't as good as AEW is like, oh, we need to be live and we need to be in different areas and different elements. You know what I mean? And, and I don't know if that's going to be good or bad for them. I think it will be better from a crowd standpoint, but you also – you have another show you have to sell. Um obviously smaller venues but yeah that that one's a little weird i get why triple h is out there saying that because he's there's a whole developmental center there um and right now those wrestlers don't have to travel as much and if you do a live weekly show they're basically going to be traveling as much as the the main roster so i don't know that's it's interesting to think about for sure okay yeah the the, the question itself based on 205 live do you think that's going to Based on Triple H's statement, do you think that that's going to be absorbed into NXT? Because he makes it sound like it, but then he brings up the fact that the division itself could be on Raw and SmackDown and NXT, which, what the fuck does that even mean? You know? Oh, man. I It could be absorbed. I, 205 Live is just something that's so hard to predict just because it's like the ugly stepchild that no one wants to talk about most of the time. And they've actually had some pretty decent shows recently and some great matches. Um, and I think it's because the rest of the company kind of leaves them alone and lets them do whatever the hell they want right now. But yeah, I could see them easily just absorbing those into the into the brand and having, you know, your primary champion travel from show to show or different shows. I guess we'll know for sure when they get into this draft because I mean they're going to redraft all of this stuff. And I wonder, you know, if you see people on 205 getting drafted to specific brands, we'll know that they're phasing out that recorded show. Sorry, I I, I was trying to answer the the how I felt about them staying at Full Sail, and I forgot about the Cruiserweight Championship uh, stuff there. My bad. You're good. You're good. You're good, sir. And you actually brought up our next topic. Uh, which is the draft. Uh, it looks like the wild card re- rule is getting the hell out of here, and we're going to have a draft. Now, it has not been exactly at least um, confirmed if NXT is going to be a part of this. Uh, it kind of makes it sound like it's more going to be about Raw and SmackDown, which I'm fine with. Um, although minor changes and people staying on the platforms are staying. Like, Roman can stay on SmackDown. I don't think that's a big deal. But other people, major people, they should definitely try to have something and get rid of that fucking wild card rule, the shake-up, all that bullshit. Just figure your shit out um, and, and, you know, uh, have these these three rosters. Let them be how they are and go from there. Figure out how you're going to do your crossover thing for Survivor Series. All this stuff is very confusing. I know that they're doing a Worlds Collide 
for the Royal Rumble weekend, I believe, uh, instead of a takeover. And they're moving takeovers now away from the major pay-per-views. They're trying to change that. So I don't know if that means that we're going to see some interaction sometimes with NXT people on these major pay-per-views. I have no clue. Like I said, it's a very, very um, – it's, it's different. I just know that Fox apparently wants to take this draft in a very, very sports approach. They want to do it kind of like how they originally did it, basically, where no one kind of knows, and they just do a live draft. Um, interesting. I mean, I guess you could try to do that on social media if you wanted to pump up your YouTube station and do it that way instead of just trying to do it and fucking waste a whole entire episode or do something separate on the stations that you have, maybe FS1 uh, for SmackDown, then USA can uh, have something. I don't know exactly, but Chris, how do you feel about the draft, and do you think that NXT is going to be involved with it? Yeah, I mean, NXT has to be involved with it because I I guarantee you with two hours of content, they're going to be pulling people. Um, Like Sami Zayn is a perfect example uh, as a former NXT champ with kind of just playing a jobber role on SmackDown. I just don't see how you wouldn't, right? Like, how would you not put them, put them on that, in that situation? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you're having three live shows. I'm assuming that you're having three brands. What I don't know is, is this the time that they're going to use to pull up Velveteen Dream to like Raw? And if they do that, are they vacating the championship? And does that create like a, um, a void in NXT? Because now would be the time. These these first shows headed into this draft is going to be like the real a real determining factor on what they're actually going to do because while you may be seeing stars get sent down to NXT, it's not like NXT is just going to draft all of their own stars if they're included in this draft. You know what I mean? So you would have to assume that they're going to mix it up both ways. So this might be the opportunity where you can get Shayna Baszler pulled up or Velveteen Dream pulled up or so on and so forth. Uh, depending on you know how those titles fall and what they decide to do there, it's going to be very interesting to see. But yes, I do expect NXT to be included in that draft. I'm, I'm not sure how you're feeling about it, but that was you know my thought. I hope so. I'm just curious too if they're going to try to do main drafts on Raw SmackDown, and then maybe some of the guys they just put in the NXT to like make sure that the rosters is beefed up. Um, I hope that everyone's just including everything because I'd love to see Velveteen Dream. But is Triple H going to be like, I, I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep that guy over here. Like, I don't know, does he need to have the certain roster members that he has? Uh, you know, the, the, the bigger names basically in NXT, yeah, you can bring down someone like a Shinsuke or Sami Zayn, but then now they're kind of tarnished. they got to be rebuilt in NXT. They already have some great toys. Now – Thinking about, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, like, a bigger superstar. Like, not Roman Reigns, but someone on that level going to NXT. That's a very interesting proposition. Like, if they'll actually give main big people from each platform. Very curious how exactly this is going to go down. But, um, I don't know. Uh, it's it's uh, it's it's, it's kind of crazy that we're getting another draft um, since they tried to go about with the draft, then pretend the draft didn't really exist, and then they made up their own rules exactly, and now they're doing this again. Now I think it's going to be much more official because we have obviously conflicting networks um, at hand. But, uh, you know, with this whole entire acquisition from Fox grabbing SmackDown, 
we're going to have a different format eventually. We're going to have a different presentation, I think, um, to an extent. Now, if I give you the chance, let's, let's play this game, Chris. You know, one, one, and one. And what destination? What person do you take from Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, and where do you put them? Just one person for each brand? And put them somewhere else, yep. Um, SmackDown, I would put Daniel Bryan on NXT. I think that he would like strive there, and you have so many good matches, and that's what's going to be going against AEW, and you need a big star there. And I think Daniel Bryan's the perfect person to do it because I don't think he's necessarily thrilled um, with what they've been doing with him. Uh, and I think it's the perfect spot to put him. You get him against Adam Cole and Roderick Strong, and let's say that half that roster stays the same. Um, I mean, th- just think about it like him versus the King of Bros. You know what I mean? So, like, that would be my first move as WWE is get Daniel Bryan down there, let him do actual the thing that he's good at, have great wrestling matches. Uh, for Raw, I would say they draft Elatine Dream from NXT. I think that he is a perfect fit on that show, and if he used well, he could be a huge star, and they definitely need someone like that to be a big um, baby face or even like a shade of gray type baby face. For SmackDown, man, that one's a little tough, and and it's kind of hard to tell just because of like where their lines are right now. I would say AJ Styles back again and maybe with the club back to SmackDown, the house that AJ Styles built, that might be a good move. It's a little hard to do without doing a couple people to shift it around, and also with the way that they've handled the the fucking roster split as of late, I'm not even sure who is on what brand, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Like, I, they, they shifted it so much uh, that it does make it a little tough, but I, I would definitely say, you know, another another person I would send down is probably Sami Zayn to NXT. Um yeah, those are the those would be the, the top guys that come to mind uh, when you pose that question for sure. Yeah, I'm. T- I when now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pr- I'm I'm potentially thinking about just saying, all right, I don't know what the fuck you guys are doing with Alistair Black. Let's just put him back on NXT. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm sick of these fucking rude segments where he's just talking to himself and shit like that. He was really good when he wasn't talking that much. Um, just because I like <laughs> Alistair so much. But maybe he has potential. Maybe I shouldn't just say that. We have plenty of people. You know, we've already mentioned Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, lots of people that – Rusev even – that go to NXT and be able to shine, I think, a lot more. Um, I love your idea with Daniel Bryan. That, that kind of like just completely made me lose my train of thought on who from <laughs> – that's a good pick. That really is. It's a very, very good pick. I, I, I mean, because think about how much he loves wrestling and how, how all the things that he wants to do. And you look at it outside of the Kofi match, and, like, Daniel Bryan's always going to have a good match. But outside of that Co- the two Kofi matches, like, we haven't gotten that level of Daniel Bryan. But if you send him down to NXT to wrestle Adam Cole and the, the bro stallion himself, King of Bros, Matt Riddle, like, Keith Lee – there's so much shit that they can do down there with him that would be absolutely amazing. Um, and if you throw Sami Zayn down there, you almost have like your own little ring of honor, and that's the kind of wrestling they need to go against AEW if they're going to go head-to-head. Like, that's what you absolutely. need. And not only that, but I mean, it, it, as long as it is at full sale, 
you know, they're going to be working with the performance center, even if they become their own entity. You know, Sean's still going to work with all those people. Sean has Daniel Bryan with him, his old protege, to be able to help with him, with these guys, make them even better. I mean, that's a fucking win-win. Johnny Gargano versus Daniel Bryan? Are you kidding me? Any of those matches. Yeah. Also, Ciampa and, versus and it, fucking Daniel Bryan. That's what I was going to say. Ciampa's going to come back one of these days. <laughs> and I can't think of a better match for, for a comeback, maybe outside of him and Gargano again, but... Champa versus uh, Daniel Bryan. That that would fucking make me change the channel and watch NXT instead of AEW. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna do something dicey. Okay. I'm gonna send. I'm actually gonna send a tag team. I didn't. I didn't tell you this rule, but I mean, I was thinking about taking one of them. Like, you got to take fucking both of them because it's it's singles compared to tag. So send the Usos to fucking NXT. Try to rebuild that tag division with the Usos around it. Um, especially if you're trying to compete with the tag, kind of like what you're saying and proposing. If you're going to compete with the tag division that they're building over there, you got, you know, you probably need to acquire some more, but I'm assuming Tyler Bate and Trent Seven are possibly coming back. So you have the option of British Strong Style or Mustache Mountain, whatever you want to go with, the three-way or the two-way, along with Pete. You have the Undisputed Era. Um, you have uh, still... Actually, you know what? Maybe you should trade that, actually. Trade the Usos for, uh, what's their names? Um, the, the Street Profits. They've already been featured on Raw. They don't have the belts anymore. They're, they're very entertaining. They seem to be very up that, that, that style, if you will. Either Raw or SmackDown. Maybe SmackDown would be a better place for them. One thing I think that they should do, and they're not going to, but I really feel that people would think I'm crazy for saying this, but I'd love to see Pete Dunne show up for Raw. Just because I know that Paul Heyman is behind Raw, and I feel like he would get behind him and be able to make him bigger than he actually is compared to some of those wrestlers and still have him as a viable threat. Very much what he did with Chris Benoit in 2003, 2004 era. So that would be interesting. Velveteen Dream, God, it's like, do you keep him as one of the main reasons that you watch NXT, or do you let him go on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown to shine? and be able to just get larger than life. And I feel it's going to be harder for him to do that on NXT because NXT has to, by itself, get to the level of Raw and SmackDown. And right now it's a smaller entity on USA going against something that's very, very big and popular already by itself before it has television. So maybe you do try Velveteen Dream on one of the other brands. Uh, And... Other than that, I think I think I think all the ones that we talked about would be good. Uh, with women, Shayna Baszler, I could definitely see going, and I would love to see Oscar show back up on NXT. Man, I would be so fucking thrilled if her and Kari Zane just screw the tag team. They're both competitors now on NXT. I don't think that, that would be a bad thing at all. Yeah, and I think it, like like. I was saying earlier, I think that's great counter-programming, especially if AEW is going to continue to highlight female Japanese wrestling. As I've said multiple times, you have three of the best female Japanese wrestlers in the world in WWE, and they're not wrestling each other ever. <laughs> it's nope. like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, I think those are some great picks. I, I like the idea of the Usos in NXT from the standpoint of I think they're being punished a little bit for uh, the DUI. Being so good? Maybe sending them- oh, yeah. <laughs> not for being so good. Uh, I mean, let's be <laughs> honest. That guy, 
they they have some issues. They had some issues recently, um, and I think you know they they're perfect to build a tag team division around. Um, that's it. It just depends. Is it counter programming or is WWE going to do their style of WWE wrestling against AEW? Because then now you're shifting the rosters all around. If it's we're going to keep this NXT and we want to have the same kind of stuff that we do on NXT, then you have to look at people like Chad Gable and Andrade Cianamos and Aleister Black, I think is the primary guys that you would want to draft to NXT to build around. Like your straight, kick-ass, really good in-ring wrestlers versus, you know, entertainment. And I think that's fine. Like a Velveteen Dream, he's a great wrestler. Um, I think he's gotten so much better in the ring, but he is like the perfect WWE entertainment guy at the same time. So that's that's where that draft really that's what that's going to really come down to is what what is the aim of each of those shows especially because we don't know what SmackDown on Fox is going to look like um, being that that might be their pure wrestling show considering they're saying wins and losses are supposed to matter and it's supposed to be more sports based. Speaking um, to past you know things that have been said, a uh, separate one that I don't think me and you have gotten a chance to talk about is that Triple H at the uh, press uh, for the last NXT uh, UK takeover, he made a comment that said that Vince has no involvement for the the data, like the day-to-day stuff of them playing the television show that he is obviously in charge of everything, but he's not going to be at full sale. He's not like, he basically tried to put that all at ease. The question I have for you is, is that bullshit? Like, does Hunter actually believe that, or is Vince going to have a lot of direct involvement because of the fact they're going against AEW, regardless if Hunter tries to tell us one way or another? I think the first two weeks on TV by itself are going to say a lot. I think that's why they wanted a head start. That's and uh, as far as Vince McMahon being full of shit, like if Vince wants to change something, Vince is going to change something, whether Hunter wants him to or not. I mean, look at what he did to the roster over the summer of NXT that they had to bounce back from. Um, or look at the fact that he hired Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman and still changes the show whenever he feels necessary. Not as much as with Paul Heyman as I thought, because Paul Heyman will at least fight back. But uh, <laughs> like Eric Bischoff's involvement in SmackDown has basically been nothingness. And that was supposed to be like, no, these guys are going to be the directors of the show, but Vince is still ripping up scripts and, rewriting them on the fly in a limo or whatever. So I think in theory, he's like triple H get this thing off the ground. You're in touch with the modern audience. Maybe it'll work, but if that shit doesn't work, I can almost guarantee you Vince is going to tear it up. Like as soon as they start getting beat by AEW, or if they start getting beat by AEW, yeah, it's It's going to be a problem. I hope they don't turn e- fucking NXT into ECW. Uh, two, whatever the hell that was. Ugh, God. Um, well, you know, there's nothing we can really do about it. Vince is going to do what Vince wants, and I appreciate Hunter, if anything, even if he believes it, I appreciate him humoring everyone uh, with that. But, hey, I do, I, I do have I'm a, excited. I do have one set of final comment before we roll out of this. Uh, the only caveat to the NXT thing is say it does well. Vince still has XFL coming up in December. So <laughs> that in itself may 
lead Hunter to have to run the show because we don't know what that clusterfuck is going to look like either, to be completely honest. Well, and apparently that's the reason why he's been missing TV once in a while is because of this shit. So, although once again, <laughs> the meeting happens, they write it, they give it to Vince, he doesn't like it, and then he rewrites it when he's not even there. So, I guess it doesn't really matter. But to an, I mean, granted, Vince is going to be tied up with the uh, XFL, and at some point, it's going to be actually the games are going to be playing. So, I just don't unless he fucking clones himself. I don't know how Vince is going to be able to bounce uh, managing both that and WWE, especially with three shows now on cable. I mean, oh, actually, one's on fucking just prime time, and two are on cable with USA. It just, it's, it's. Uh, I have to, I have to, I have to give it to Vince, Chris. It's very impressive for a man his age to take on that much shit all at once. Yeah, Big I that's where. I mean, that's maybe where. Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff, and Triple H come into play. I think that he knows that he's not going to be able to do it. It could lead to a really great time in wrestling, or it could lead to Vince just rewriting whatever and being really lazy and not being able to keep up with everything. I mean, it could go either way. I mean, eventually he may just say, fuck it, I can't do this by myself. Or (laughs) we're going to get him writing stuff on the fly and it's not going to make any sense. Maybe he sells the league to a very – wait, I don't even know if John Madden's still alive. Maybe he sells the league to John Madden Zombie. Um, or if you look over <laughs> here with a circle on the grid uh, – god damn it. Mm. Oh, man. Well, I, I believe John Madden is still alive. He's 83 years old. I don't think he has any interest in the, the XFL. Um, but uh, – I don't know, man. Uh, it's fun, gonna so. be it's gonna it's gonna be fucking interesting for sure. That that's the only thing we can really say, just because it's Vince. And at the end of the day, <laughs> Vince is gonna do for better or worse, <laughs> whatever the hell Vince wants to do, right? So, the best we can hope for is maybe he gives Triple H at least two months to run at Triple H's way. And if Triple H successfully launches NXT and it rivals AEW and they do well, let's say they do better, they're they've done live on. Uh, Monday before, in place of, uh, I think it may have even been before Raw, and they had 800,000 viewers. Let's say that he does like 1.2 for NXT. Um, maybe Vince lets him run for it for, for a while. It's it's impossible to tell because it's Vince McMahon. You know, like he's a, he's a brilliant wrestling mind <laughs> who sometimes takes on way too goddamn much, especially with what will be. I don't know, say nine hours of television plus the XFL in pay-per-views. Yeah, as I've heard Bruce Pritchard say many times during his impression of Pat Patterson, you know, just Vince taking on so many things and changing his mind. With changing his mind, it's like, sometimes he likes the vanilla ice cream, and then sometimes he likes fucking strawberry. Fuck! That's what Pat Patterson apparently is. <laughs> he sounds like a drunk. He sounds like drunk Mario. <laughs> that should be your new. <laughs> you should. We should do a review where you just review everything as drunk Mario. I think that might be my new favorite uh, <laughs> character on the show. 
<laughs> I'm just not good at French accents. It doesn't matter if they're Canadian or oh god. That was a little inside just stuff came from out the pre-show. Straight Italian at the, at, towards the end, that was just straight Italian. Like sometimes he likes the strawberry. Fuck. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh god, incredible. I still remember. Every time Sean had talked about like the, the when he gets a super kick, super kick, and uh, he talks to the Pat Patterson because he was doing that elevated backdrop, and he's like, and Pat Patterson was like, "No, that don't do that. You do that, the, the thing with the ping, you know, the the kick and the ping." Apparently, he's horrible at English. I've I've heard him speak. He's not that bad with fucking English. I know that. I've heard him on stuff. Yeah, he yeah. used to do that roundtable with <laughs> Jim Ross. That's why when you busted out the accent, I was like, "Are you fucking Pat Patterson Italian? <laughs> the hell?" That's after he eats the red and white shroom and turns into Big Pat Patterson. <laughs> Super Pat Patterson, some <laughs> might say. What the fuck? Uh, hey, uh, oh. God damn. Uh, all right. So, uh, so Clash of Champions is this weekend. Um, I'm excited <laughs> for some of it. Uh, we're going to go over the matches. This is in no particular order. We're just going to go up them and talk about our predictions for them. What the fuck in the ping? Uh, all right. So the first one, AJ Styles is going to be going against Cedric Alexander for the United States Championship. I'm really happy that they've been giving um, Cedric a push. Uh, I know a lot of people I, I saw online um, after he got beaten down a little bit by the club for no reason. They were just picking on him. And then he went to lose a King of the Ring. They're burying Cedric. And I said on the Facebook, um, WWE, something very, very constructive and intelligent and nice. No, I didn't say that at all. I said, look, you fucking idiots. I said, Cedric Alexander's favorite wrestler is AJ Styles, and they just literally positioned him to potentially take the belt, his first belt, besides cruiserweight title, off of his favorite wrestler in a, you know, a program. And it looks like that's what they did. Um, I think that they built up Cedric. I like that it seems like with um, promos lately, it seems like they're not as scripted anymore. Like I saw Cedric when he won against AJ, they had a promo right afterwards, and it kind of just, they let him talk. And I know that was on, you know, the internet, but even those, not too long ago, they were, like, overly done and worded very weirdly, and it seems like, especially with AJ and how he was talking to Stone Cold and stuff like that, they kind of were just, like, going for it for the most part. I'm sure they had story beats, but at least that's to me. I have no idea if that's true. Um, I think what they should do is have AJ win using some type of bullshit. I know that that can be stupid and very redundant, but then you have a program that is longer and you can build more. Unless you want to get AJ involved with something that's bigger than that. The only thing I can think of is maybe I actually I can't go into it until I like reveal who the fuck I'm gonna uh, is one between Seth and Braun. I could just see AJ feuding with Seth in the future. I think they've set that up a bunch in the past, and that could happen. But maybe just wait another pay per view until Hell in the Cell, and then have Cedric beat. AJ then, but I think AJ is going to win, uh, retain the United States Championship. Chris, what do you think? I think AJ is going to retain, and then later the match we're going to talk about is going to, uh, just because of the way they've been booking the club, you're probably going to have, all right, fuck it, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. You're probably going to have Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles for the United States Championship and Braun going against The Fiend. Yep. That's just where That's exactly I see the what I was going to say. 
and Cedric just kind of falling by the wayside. And hopefully, you know, he'll get drafted and they'll do something differently with him. They'll probably just move him to a different brand. Perhaps NXT. He could fit well there. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically they could have Alexander beat Seth or beat uh, AJ and then have him and Seth in a program without a title. I guess there wouldn't be as much reasoning for that, but yeah, I definitely think it's going to end up like you just said, though, Braun versus the fiend and um, AJ and Seth will be in a program. We all want that. I'm sorry. Both of those situations sound awesome. I love Seth. He beat Brock Lesnar fucking twice, but I think him and AJ in a fucking program together with multiple matches and not just one and one that gets interrupted on fucking raw, an actual like program. Hell yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing here is if AJ Styles loses the title to Cedric, he's going to have to try to win the title back. As opposed to if he just beats Cedric, he can interfere in the Seth match later, right? And cost Seth the title with the the club, and then that's your feud is Seth versus the club, and then Braun with the title. I'm down for that for sure. All right, now we have a match I don't really give a flying fuck about. Sorry, ladies, nope. No fault to your own, just the uh, the buildup of this stuff. But Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, the champions, will be going against Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville for the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. I thought the whole entire Mean Girls bullshit with the ugly crap was just fucking really terrible writing, and I felt bad for Mandy having to say that shit uh, from SmackDown. I thought that was just dumb. Like, Nikki is, you know, she's crazy looking, but she's an attractive lady. Like, I don't understand why you would have to resort to that bullshit once again, but whatever. Um, yeah, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, uh, I guess this one, I mean, like I said, I, this is the one I probably am least invested in, I think. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, uh, fuck it, Mandy Rose and, and Sony Deville win. I mean, you can do so- solo stuff with Alexa Bliss and Nikki, or if they're now baby faces, which it seems like, you can have them chase the titles from the heels, I guess. Get the Kabuki Warriors with those fucking belts. God damn it. What do you think, Chris? God, God damn it. They're um, they're like Michelle LeCool's crew now, I guess, Mandy Rose and Sonya. The gimmick is that Mandy is just Nikki's ugly, so they got to wrestle. That's what they're going with. And she's supposed to be a heel, and Alexa's supposed to be a face, even though, like, Alexa literally was the same gimmick as Mandy Rose. Like I know. Nine to ten months before this. Like, what the fuck? What What is supposed to be my interest in this match? The only interest in this match is, like, are the Kabuki Warriors still a tag team, and when are they going to face these girls? Like, I'm sorry. I like Alexa. I like Nikki. I like Mandy, and I like Sonya. I just – the build for this was atrocious. Uh, Alexa Bliss and you built a storyline between Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to actually turn on each other, like that was the goal. And instead, they're just like, no, nah, they're baby faces now because like Mandy needs to call somebody ugly. And it's just it's so reminiscent and it's just so lazy. Is the other thing like they, that's what you could come up with? That's the best thing you guys could come up with. It reminds me of like people calling Nikki James Piggy James. That was the storyline. It's just lazy. It's fucking wrestling. Like, you know, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville should want to beat up Alexa and Nikki Cross because they've cheated to get the titles. And they should actually be the baby faces here. Like, since Alexa's been a heel heel with no actual face turn, um, it should just be that they want the fucking titles. Like, bring prestige to these titles. 
like I, I fucking I'm so done talking about the tag the women's tag division because they don't care enough about it. It's just like an afterthought, and then that's the kind of promos you get, and this is how they build their matches towards them. I know, man. It's it's uh, pretty ridiculous. And let me just say, I like even if you're going to make Alexa Bliss babyface from us, I like her and Nikki Cross pairing. But I will say, I don't think that. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe not Vince, but like. If you look at the faces, like the cartoon faces that they're doing with Nikki and Alexa Bliss, if anyone watches Impact or has for a while, this was the Demon and the Bunny, uh, with, which was Rosemary and Allie's gimmick. They even had like little cartoony faces just like that with a crazy chick and a very, very like, you know, more dainty style. And obviously it's different, but I've... I've since the beginning of this, I've just been like, even with the like the little cartoon figure, like the, the caricatures that they put up with the two of them, I'm like, that just seems like a fucking ripoff. And now those two girls are in two separate organizations, so I don't have to worry about like trying to, someone trying to sue them. Uh, but uh, yeah, and just the the women's championship belt, uh, I just don't care. Get it in, get it behind the Kabuki Warriors and have them beat some ass and have a good rival to come in and then try to go against them. And then I'll give a shit. I promise. What's so unfortunate is there's so many great, ta- there's so many talented female wrestlers that work for this company that you could do a successful tag division. I'm not against them doing a tag division, but like, I don't know. Give give me a reason to care about these matches. Hey Chris, like, ugh. hey Chris, where where, where yes, the sir. fuck is Naomi? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Getting paid. <laughs> I mean, she's getting paid, but she's one of she's she's literally one of the best female athletes they have, period. And they could make her go in a tag team. Uh, I mean, she was already like paired with Carmella at one point. You know, she, uh, her and I'm trying to think of like another person to insert that would make sense. They could find someone to fucking pull with Naomi to make a great tag team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think there's plenty of things that you can do. I, it's, but now you're split across three brands, so really you would have to have four tag teams, and the belt would have to travel. I mean, this belt almost needs to be defunct now that you've spread your TV out so much. I hate to say it. I, I think it's just it's, it's kind of left a bad taste in people's mouth with the fact that, I mean, right from the fact, like right off the bat when Sasha and Bailey lost it at, at I guess they lost at Mania, right? Yeah, or was it right after Mania? As soon as they lost the titles, people's interest in, in the women's title, as far as I can tell from everything I've heard and read, has been nil. And oh, they've done nothing to really went in a black hole. Yeah, I mean, and 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 like it, it's just bad. I I don't know. I can't even give you a scenario in which you could salvage this, and you just unless you just get Shayna Baszler's crew to like run roughshod all over everyone which Shayna Baszler also is like your women's champion and then you have to have people like Charlotte and Becky tag up to like try to take them down but then you still need people that are actual like baby faces and Charlotte Charlotte and Becky like and I love Becky but she's not like a true baby face (laughs) so it's like they don't even have anyone that I know that you could put in that spot to go against them unless you just were like Kabuki Warriors versus you know Baszler's crew which I guess you could do. Like that could be fun, um, but I can't even think of a creative idea on how to get these belts over. Like that's kind of where they're at. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. 
I think they should make a tag team with Candice LeRae and Chelsea Green and try to do like a female, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Midnight, or not Midnight Express, uh, Rock and Roll Express with those two girls and just have them rough shot. Just have the fucking women's tag division just jump from all brands and have it with a new opponent each night and have those champions be someone that's the only traveling champions between the three brands. You can have that spice it up a little bit, but then you can have different women go through different, different brands and interact with different people and get, I just, uh, I don't know what the fuck this thing is. It's so stupid. The, the, The only thing I can think of is if you literally have Charlotte and Becky win the titles and they're on separate brands and then you just have them travel brands and then you have, everyone in the division wanting to fight them and like somehow you set up some stipulation that if they lose, then you get a title match depending on what brand it's on or something just because that would at least add intrigue and you have two stars holding the belts. You can do uh, Becky two belts again. You could have Charlotte two belts and then they can lose the titles and that leads to, you know, whatever your match is between the inevitable match between Becky and Charlotte. Like that's the only way I know how to book this thing where it would make sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm right with you. All right, well, let's move on to the Cruiserweight Championship. We have Drew Gulak, the ch- champion, going against two people. Uh, Lindsay Dorado, that had to win a match to be able to be a part of this uh, contest uh, at the last 205 Live. And uh, Humberto Carrillo, which he's fucking amazing. He's uh, Hector Garza's uh, nephew, and I believe Angel Garza is his cousin. Could have fucked that all. Into. I know that he's related to the guy, the Garza dynasty within uh, Mexican wrestling, but for a young dude, especially at his height, the dude moves his body. He's one of those guys with the finesse, the the certain things where it doesn't even make like a like a Nick Jackson, like a like a Phoenix, like a Kota Bushi, where it's like I don't understand. Oh, obviously Kazuchika Okada, how these fucking people are able to move the way they're able to move. Uh, it's pretty amazing um and not for someone that's not small either but if i'm gonna put money on it i'm gonna go drew gulak i don't think he's done i think this is actually gonna be a great match and sadly it will probably be on the pre-show chris what do you think yeah i tend to agree with you i think unfortunately this will end up on the pre-show probably right before whatever they're going to do with the club i'm assuming they're going to do something with the club um which i don't think we have listed on here but they're scheduled to be there so i'm assuming they're doing something there uh but yeah, Gulak, I'm probably picking Gulak for this one just because I feel like they want him to have the title in case they are getting rid of the 205 brand. He seems like the best guy to be carrying it right now. Yep. All right. Uh, this is a match I'm actually kind of undecided on. Um, it's for the Intercontinental title uh, between Shinsuke Nakamura and The Miz. See, I could I, – I could seriously see them keeping on Shinsuke, trying to keep on build up this heel character, even though I think it's stupid, pointless, and I hate it because Sammy is his mouthpiece, and Shinsuke is charismatic enough to be able to just be himself, and like he was in NXT in New Japan, but whatever. Um, and if you put on the Miz, Miz is someone that does bring a bit of prestige to the Intercontinental title because, like. Uh, someone like a Chris Jericho, he's had so many times and he's made it larger than it is. Very similar. Him and Chris Jericho are to the Intercontinental title for the modern age, what AJ Styles and John Cena is for the U.S. title. They just bring credibility, basically. Um, so I could see him getting it, but then again, 
Shinsuke, they're trying to build him. Uh, they can't have everyone retain. I mean, so far, I think I've had that for every single person. So I'm actually going to go with The Miz. Miz is going to beat Shinsuke from some bullshit. Sami Zayn is going to get kinshasa and Shinsuke, and they'll end up on NXT instead, and The Miz will have the IC title. I don't know what's going to happen, but Chris, what do you think? I think that you're definitely going to see The Miz win this, and the reason I say this is, if I'm not mistaken, Miz has eight reigns. Chris Jericho has nine reigns. Or he has – he's either tied or has a – or will be tied if he wins this title. And I feel like this is the way that they take a shot at you know, Jericho, uh, the same that they've done in the past with The Rock. If you remember, like he was the youngest champion ever, and then they just had Randy Orton beat the record. Um, they tend to do that, and I could see you know, Miz winning it, then dropping it back to, to Nakamura, and then winning it again to break Jericho's record, maybe even at WrestleMania. And they'll build, they'll make it into a huge fucking deal. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the page. I think this is probably the, one of the title changes you'll see on this pay per view, which is kind of weird because they haven't really, to me, they haven't really built this match that well. I mean, they have Miz doing stuff, but I don't know. The, it it is what it is. I mean, they, I I don't know that they really know what to do with Nakamura. I did like that on SmackDown, uh, they had him doing heel commentary and just answering every <laughs> question in Japanese, which is what they should have been doing when he started doing the no speak English gimmick. Um, it's basically what I said back then. So it was kind of cool to see them at least do that and try to, you know, get his character over as a heel. But yeah, I, I think that they're definitely going to put Jericho over here and not necessarily for the right reasons, even though I think Jericho's fine as the IC champion. That's just, that's just my guess on how this thing is going to go. Yeah. Shinsuke's Shinsuke's fun, man. That was, that was pretty funny. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't know. All the tools are there. It's just, you know, you have a superstar. You really do. You just kind of don't know what to do with it. It's, uh, but Miz, like I said, I think it would be good for the IC title to have it uh, in the Miz's hands and let him uh, do his thing. And that is such a good point. Kind of made me um, think about something. You know, I went into it on the Saturday show, but, you know, you weren't there for the first hour. But I talked a little bit about the Ric Flair thing. Do you think that they're going to be so petty that they're going to have either Cena or Randy Orton kind of beat his record just to fucking just have someone beat his record if they if they continue to have this tumultuous relationship now over the man as a trademark? I mean, I think the goal was always to have Cena beat it. I just I don't know when they're when they were aiming to do that because Cena already has what he's already won at fifteen. Is it fifteen or sixteen? Yeah. I think he's tied with him, or he's one under him. Yeah, well, let me pull that up real quick because I just want to see, just so I'm not thinking I'm fucking insane here. Uh, yeah, God. So yeah, 16, and they're combining WWE Championship and and the W the Heavyweight Championship, which it's 16. So he's actually tied if you're combining both of them. So. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll probably have Cena. I always, I always just assumed that they were going to have Cena beat the record, right? Like that never. Yeah. Orton has thirteen, and I could easily see him winning. Um, as we go through these predictions, I'll, I'll give a little bit more detail in that. But I could easily see him winning here at Clash of the Champions, which would give him fourteen. So it just depends on you know <laughs> who's going to get there first, I guess. But I, I mean, I just always kind of assumed that Cena would be the guy. 
It's just that level of petty. It's amazing how Vince can be. It's like, all right, you think you got me? And it really doesn't matter yeah. because Rick's Rick's Rick's, Rick's record. It, he does. They don't count a bunch of his title wins. So, and not only that, it's title wins. That's the amount of times you lost compared to the amount of times you won. The only reason it's a little bit significant with Flair is because he did it throughout a huge course of time. So, yeah. kind and of. You could, I mean, you could say dumber. the same thing about Cena too, right? Like. You say the same thing about Cena. I wouldn't have as big of a problem with Cena doing it, like versus if they really, really race there with um, Randy Orton, with Orton or someone else. Just because the plan has always been for Cena to beat that record. It's just they were trying to find the right guy to put in that main event for Cena to beat. You know what I mean? Because like if you, yep. you want it to be a big match if he's going to break Ric Flair's record. Um, I mean the other I mean and, and the other idea they've always tossed out there and this is why Charlotte has so many title reigns is that they want Charlotte to beat that record as well. So like that record's going to change I would think multiple times in the future but yeah I mean I don't have a problem with Cena doing it. Cena was friends with as far as I know has been friends and and Rick's even talked about him in Hall of Fame speeches and stuff. I would assume that Rick knows that that day is eventually coming. And and like this, that it's just an imaginary how many titles he held, anyways. I mean, to me, holding like that's not as impressive as how long, you know, Okada yeah. held the New Japan title or how long Hulk Hogan held the WWF title. It's not the or same. Or Bruno, um, yeah, like that's a it's a very different thing. But you know, I love Flair and uh, is a shitty situation in general uh, that he's kind of put himself in. I mean, like Seth Rollins and Triple H blocking him on Twitter. Kind of That's stuff. so fucking petty. It's, it's just not looking good for Flair. I mean, it's not a good look for Flair in general. I get where he's coming from. Obviously, yeah. the guy has some money problems, I'm assuming. But, yeah, I, I think be. this is something maybe he could have just worked out behind the scenes and not necessarily made it so public, like cutting promos on TMZ. But it's Flair. That's what Flair does. Um, but, yeah, like if Cena wins it, that, that thing's been in the works for a long time, so I wouldn't see that as petty. Now, if they just, like, all of a sudden rush Horton to do it instead of Cena or something, <laughs> then, yeah, that would be a little weird. <laughs> oh, man, I could see it. Uh... All right, next one. Uh, we have uh, actually Randy Orton's buddies, the Revival, going against Kofi Kingston, the WWE Champions buddies, uh, Xavier Woods. And Biggie, aka the New Day, for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Um, I'm going with the revival, and that's because I think that we both allude to it. Uh, I think that Randy Orton's actually going to win over Kofi Kingston. Chris, New Day or revival? I'm thinking that you know Orton's going to get heat here and screw over the New Day, and probably injure one of them and get inside Kofi's head and then you build off that storyline and you can get the title off Kofi and set up the next match maybe at Hell in a Cell to uh, keep the Revival out of the ring as Kofi has been struggling. Well, not only keep the Revival out of the ring, but keep the New Day out of the ring. To me, that makes the most sense and uh, I think that's uh, you know, Kofi has been booked very strong, but him losing here, I don't think would hurt. I don't think anyone would be mad at it with it being Orton, especially with the way they've they've actually done a good job of building this feud. So I'm I'm completely fine with it. And I do find it amazing that Randy Orton always finds like two dudes, and then he goes on one of these championship <laughs> runs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it reminds me of Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase. 
<laughs> like it's very similar to that in my opinion. So I, I'm I'm down for this. I think it's kinda cool. Um and I, I don't mind Randy having the title for a bit. And like I said, he could just drop it right back at at a hell in the cell if built right, you know. Agreed. And uh you heard it here folks. Uh Scott Dawson will now in about eight years be opening up his own wrestling league that will rival not only AEW but also WWE. Um because he's part of the revival and revival. Yeah. All right. He's he's getting the yearbook award for most likely to go help Billy Corgan in NWA. <laughs> Jeez, what? All right. Anyways, um, now we have a match between Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman as the uh, Raw Tag Team Champions going against Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, not Bobby Roode. Um, some impromptu tag team they put together that are friends with the club, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I think they're going to be our champions. I think that this is going to be, at least this is what I'm perceiving, the beginning of the end that Seth and Braun are not going to click in this match. It's going to fuck up everything, and they're going to go angry at each other in the main event for the Universal title. Um, but yeah, I think that we're going to have some new raw tag team champions and I hope if it's not short lived, they're both good workers, man. Both of them are, are, are good on the mic, especially fucking Bobby Roode. You've already tried everything with Dolph. Like just do something with Bobby. Oh God. Anyways, Chris, who do you think is going to win? I think they win here because the club kind of screws it up and then you get Braun hitting, Seth and maybe even brutalizing before the match because they're wrestling twice. So I'd assume club beatdown or some kind of weird thing that just sets up heat for, for the main event. So I think you're right. I, I do see them kind of walking out tag champs, which I wouldn't have said going into it, but the way they've built the, the club angle, it would make sense with, with, uh, you know, that, that being the, the case for sure. Absolutely. I could definitely see some involvement with them fucking shit up for Mr. Rollins and Mr. Braun Strowman. Maybe they do one of those things where they they distract and fuck up one of the teammates, but the other teammates actually gets hurt inside the ring and loses and doesn't know that this distraction happened, and then they go after each other. Something very simple, I'm sure. Um, I don't know when. Next- I don't know when Finn was. I don't know when Finn is coming back, but it would be the perfect moment for. You know, Braun and Seth to be dominating and the club come out and they're, you know, beating up the club and they're also fighting off this other tag team. And then Finn Balor comes out and destroys Seth and, you know, they get the win that way. And now you get Finn in the club or something like that would be cool. I don't think they're going to do that, but that would that'd be fucking awesome. That would be awesome. I think he's come back for Survivor Series, but I would way rather that scenario. That's for damn sure. Um now, it can't be that long because he can't have that many months off. I don't know. Maybe he will. That would be – I want that to happen. I definitely do. Um, Bailey, the women's uh, SmackDown champion, is going against Charlotte Flair. Um, I think both the ladies actually – I think the belts are swapping. I think Bailey's going to lose the title, and she's actually going to become a real heel, not this fucking Anakin Papeltine shit. She's going to lose Charlotte and kind of lose it. And Sasha's going to get in her head completely and hopefully do a complete full heel turn. Not saying Charlotte's going to be a baby face now or anything like that. I think that she's someone that kind of rises above it. It doesn't really matter. She just is used for the situation 
and she's fucking Charlotte Flair. But yeah, I think that Charlotte's actually going to get another championship notch, uh, hopefully to beat her father in the next year, um, because that's what they would do. It's just, she just drops it and then wins it and drops it and then she beats them. All right, Chris, who's going to win? I I agree with you here. I think that um, Charlotte could win and maybe that sets up Becky getting screwed later on. So I, I tend to agree with you here. I do think they want the belt on Sasha just so that Becky has someone to chase and that Bailey and Sasha will end up getting drafted to the same brand. Um with Sasha being champ or something. That that's my guess about how this thing is going to play out. I agree. Um, next one is uh, I think they've done really well with the very awkward storyline. Um, at least building Eric Rowan somewhat. Uh, to he was ferocious. I will give him this. Uh, the last two times that he's been presented, I liked his promo. And after he destroyed Daniel Bryan and Roman, I thought that was a good send off with him. I am not 100% convinced that Eric Rowan really was it. I feel like even though he chokeslammed him, somehow Daniel Bryan's going to end up being that person inevitably, and Rowan's going to beat uh, – he's going to beat Roman Reigns. He's going to beat Roman Reigns, and Daniel Bryan will reveal himself and do the exact same promo that Vince did about the higher power. It was me all along. He'll just do the exact same fucking thing. Chris, what do you think? I agree with you 100%. I just think it was very stupid the way they got to this. Um, but, yeah, I think that was the case. <laughs> like, they went they went, <laughs> like, they went around their elbow to touch their asshole, I guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like they parallel parked really well. It's like they parallel parked really well, but they had to keep on going around the building five times to figure it the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, it doesn't – I mean, from the standpoint of, like, from the footage that they showed, he could have just been like, that was the fake Rowan. <laughs> like, What the hell did we name him? Was it Charlie? Randy? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't uh, remember, but that shit was... It's, uh, it's, it's Italian Mario. <laughs> that it's Italian Mario. Actually. Uh, it's Italian Mario. It's a fucking... Uh, all right, so... <laughs> I can't do that anymore. Uh, we have the WWE champion, uh, Kofi Kingston, going against Randy Orton. I do. I, I think Randy's going to get the championship. I think it makes sense in the story. I don't think the story's over. I think it will continue. I think there's another layer onto it. I just hope and expect, uh, regardless if they have another match afterwards, uh, especially if this is the end of the storyline, which I hope it's not, I have a better match than last fucking time because I want to see these guys really go at it. I liked the uh, the homage they did to their last match in Square Garden thing. I thought that was actually a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I think that we got to have the baby face chase the heel now. And, uh, you know, Randy Orton's fucking Randy Orton. You can give it to him. It's not going to be bad. There's prestige with him. And uh, he's, mon- he's monotone. And, um, you know, he can be intimidating as well, I guess. Um, Chris, who do you think is going to win? Yeah, I think, like really I said, I think Randy, yeah, I think Randy is going to win this one. Um, another caveat to the Roman Reigns one is this is another match that you can set up for a hell of a cell just because to yeah. eliminate outside interference. So it, it makes sense with him losing as well. But, yeah, the Randy one, I, I just feel like this is a good time to put the title on him and probably the titles on the revival. And then you have, you know, a build to hell in a cell. I will say this. If the idea was to set up storylines for Hell in a Cell and they actually do it right, they have some good main events that they can build 
two for that pay-per-view um, coming out of this. So I, I, you know, as much as I give them some booking shit, if they actually do what I think they're going to do, it's pretty good booking to set up the next pay-per-view in TV come, going forward. Why, thank you, sir. That's because... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to try to do Paul's voice. Huh. All right. Uh, we have Becky Lynch, the champion, the man, unless she can't do that anymore, uh, then she's not. Um, she's to be the... That's, that's going to be her new nickname. Uh, going against Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. Yeah, I think Banks' statement, Becky's done. Uh, and that's not the end of this whole entire thing. It's going to continue, but Sasha's going to become the women's raw champion. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I think that you could easily do. I, I think that's going to be the case. I also think there's going to be a segment where Bailey runs out after she's lost to help Sasha and the crowd's going to chant for Charlotte and Flair will walk out on the ramp and then she just won't go down there. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Oh my She's God! I hope so. <laughs> now, bitch is an actual heel. <laughs> and if she says anything, Chris, it would be great if she was like, "Sorry, Bex, I think he got it," and just throws the mic down and fucking runs off, walks off. I don't think she has to say anything. She just has to just not go down there. She just stand on the ramp. <laughs> because that is what Charlotte Flair, as a character, has always done. So it makes the most sense. <laughs> Like, I get that they want her to be a babyface, but, like, does she have to be a babyface? The answer to that is no. you got a draft coming up. It would make a whole lot of sense to her to dick Becky over <laughs> after tagging right, with her it. and stuff. All right, I got it. So what you do is you do the exact scenario, and then when Becky's about to lose, glass breaks, Stone Cold comes out, Stone Cold stunners Charlotte, goes out, stunners the other two, and puts Becky's hand on it, one, two, three, and then Becky Stone Cold stuns Steve Austin. <laughs> so just more Austin, that's what, that's what you're saying? <laughs> and that's about that, because Stone Cold said so. All right, uh, I don't know how good it would be for Austin to stun. Well, I guess he's not stunning Becky Lynch. <laughs> Someone someone said, and I, I kind of agree with this, it would have been really cool instead of the last segment on uh, Raw being the way it was with the five-on-five the five tag team, um, you know, if if that would have actually been where the women's match was. That was a really good match. I, I will say I love the tag match. That was, uh, well, I mean, it's the four fucking horsewomen, so what do you expect? But if it ended up with Austin coming out and celebrating with Becky and them drinking beer together, especially if you had something where it looked like – and by the way, if you watched uh, Austin's show, she did give him a stunner. But if it made it look like she was about to do it and then he wa- turns around and like, catches her or some shit and they just smile and chug their beer, like I feel like it would have been more impactful than I love the War Raiders but, or the Viking experience, but then two Vikings and Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins with Stone Cold at the end of it. I don't know. They already did it, you know. That would have I mean, that would have really you, helped out the man. I feel. Do you really love the War Raiders though, or are you just like, eh, it's the War Raiders? I I love them in NXT in New Japan. I love their old name. I love their in ring work. I just they are abysmal on fucking the main roster. They're just nothing. Uh, Ugh, man. God. Go back to war. Go back to being called War Machine, and uh, maybe go back. They, to they NXT. need to go back to uh, NXT. They need to go back to NXT. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, I'll, I think that would have been that's definitely a cool scenario. That would have been uh, definitely more entertaining. That the women's tag match to me was my like outside of Austin. Um, that was like my second favorite thing on the show. Like yeah, as far as wrestling too. goes. All right, let's get to the uh, last match on this thing. Uh, we the last one we kind of already talked about. Uh, Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman Universal Championship. I know Braun's if if Braun's going against a fiend, he's going to lose to the fiend. But if you're going to have a transitional, give that guy a fucking notch and give it back to him at some point in the future. Do not make this where he's the big show, even though this is exactly what you would do to the big show in that situation. And I love Paul White. I really do. But I'm just saying, people know what I'm talking about. Like, he's not just a transitional giant. He can fucking hold it and actually be credible. I'm sorry, but Braun has been sticking out more so than Seth in these fucking segments. Like, Seth's trying, and he's, he's, he's good in the mic, but Braun just – He's a, he has a presence to him. He has a character. And it's the tarnish has come off of it since they fucking shit on it. So I'd like to see him continue to go, even if it's just until the next pay-per-view where he loses the Fiend, who I think doesn't really need that title, but whatever. We'll get to that. Um, Seth Rollins, though, I mean, I think that I think that, that Braun's going to win, and I think that there might be some involvement with the club or AJ in the reason of why he doesn't win. If Braun wins or Seth wins, it doesn't matter. This time, even though I predicted that he was going to take out Austin and The Undertaker, and I was fucking wrong, I think The Fiend's going to show up and fuck that person up right afterwards to send the, the show home. Uh, Chris, who do you think is going to win? I mean, you were wrong on The Fiend thing. I also made the same prediction. I think it's really dumb that they didn't do that, at least one of them. You too. So, no, 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 no. What's I mean, the better I... idea? Sami Zayn. With, with Undertaker. It'll be zany. It'll be like a fucking sitcom in the 90s. It would have been fine if he just chokeslammed Zane and then the lights hit and then he got choked out by the Fiend. Like, that would have been fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that was kind of shitty. I, I, I'm 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 in greens with you. I think I really do think the club's going to get involved. And I honestly do have Braun winning here, but... I also could see Seth winning here. Whichever way it goes, it's whoever – one of these guys is coming after the club. Like that's the feud coming out of this either way uh, because I feel like they're going to get screwed for the tag titles, and then the club's also going to fuck with this match. And then you know whoever loses is going to feud with the club. That just makes the most sense. But uh, Braun versus Bray, because of the history, I, I, I kind of lean towards that, that him winning his first title here. It just sucks because I feel like – you almost have to have the fiend win it, or the crowd's going to be upset a little bit because he's well, the most right now. He's the most over character on the entire fucking show. What I was fantasy booking in my head didn't happen, Chris. But what I was hoping is I could I could I can understand with Austin because he can't wrestle, he can't come back and beat the person, he can't do any of that stuff. So I understand why they didn't have him. But with Undertaker, it's like if the fiend showed up. And even if it was on video and it was like the Bray Wyatt back at the uh, the Firefly Funhouse in the sweater, just making a very, very subtle threat at Undertaker and, you know, just him doing the angry face. Instead of doing that to Sami Zayn making stupid jokes inside the fucking ring, I think they could have set something up, you know, and if if you don't want The Fiend to lose to Braun Strowman, but you want Braun to sell the title, have The Undertaker, of all people, show up and, you know, fuck Bray over, basically, and position them to go against each other at Survivor Series. 
which is very synonymous with Undertaker. But I guess I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I don't know. Maybe they have a plan. Uh, I just feel like that would have been smart of them to do, but they had Sami Zayn come out. Let's just talk about that, okay? Fuck going over on SmackDown completely. Why the fuck was Sami Zayn that first segment (laughs) against The Undertaker at Madison Square Garden? I love Sammy, but I that mean, was such a fucking putz place. Do you remember Wrestling Buddies from back in the day? Yeah, fuck yeah. I had a Hulk Hogan one and a Demolition one. Yeah, Sammy Zayn is the SmackDown Wrestling Buddy. Whenever they need someone to get their ass kicked, <laughs> <laughs> they just send the Sammy Zayn Wrestling Buddy down there. <laughs> His oh music God. gets the crowd behind him, and then he says some heel stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah. Because he's a pretty decent promo, and then they just have him get his ass kicked. It makes complete sense. <laughs> it makes complete sense that they take one of the best workers they have and just have him repeatedly get his ass beat for forever. It's uh, so disappointing. Well, all right, a couple notes from Raw and SmackDown, then we'll get the hell out of here. Uh, we already kind of talked about the opening. I was a big fan of it. I liked AJ Styles and his interaction with Stone Cold. I thought it was awesome that The Rock, as much time as there is in the daytime, he somehow was able to at least see the clip of AJ taking the stunner from Austin and commented on it, telling basically AJ Styles, dude, great job at fucking selling that stunner. That's exactly how you do it. Uh, I thought that was cool coming from The Rock. Even though he did so overanimated, he was, from what Steve says, his favorite person to take the, the move. Um, I guess compared to Vince McMahon's limp dick noodle thing that he did the first time. Um, in MSG, actually. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> uh, let's, uh, God damn it. What, what, Sorry, what do you think about head. The Rock uh, giving uh, AJ some props on uh, selling the stunner? So, in my head, the first thing I thought of is the first time Sergeant Slaughter took one, and he went to do the backflip bump like The Rock does, but he's, like, way bigger than he used to be, so he only gets, like, halfway over, and to me, that is, like, the best stunner bump of all time, <laughs> so look at that one. Let up. me tell you but... something, Austin. <laughs> um, so, Sergeant Slaughter taking, that's my all-time favorite, but yeah, AJ took a hell of a bump for that stunner, it looked incredible, and... I mean, if you're going to take one from Austin, I'm sure AJ's been waiting a long time for this, and he was like, oh, I know exactly how I'm going to sell this shit. Especially because, like, if you've seen, like, Ride Along, and they're talking about, like, AJ just, like, riding with uh, the club in the car and just doing Austin impersonation the entire time. Like, obviously a huge Austin fan. Uh, he obviously knew exactly how he wanted to take that bump. Now they should do, like, a, a school um, where everyone has to go and watch <laughs> AJ take a stun bump. <laughs> So that when so that when Kevin Owens goes to give someone a stunner, they don't look like complete assholes in the center of the ring. And they'll get Bret Hart to teach everyone the importance of the uh, sharpshooter and how it works yeah. uh, on the back and not the legs. Um, a little seminar. <laughs> yeah, that was that fun. Uh, yeah, well, you know, Becky will just come hey, out there and put everyone in the just armor or whatever. Yeah, by twisting their arm in the wrong position to do an arm bar. I'm sorry. Maybe that's just someone because I'm, I'm, you know, I watch UFC, so I know how an armbar is supposed to be applied. But whenever it's like the, the arms curve completely under, I'm like, that just looks fucking stupid. Just, just make it look a little bit more real. Like God. Uh, um, one thing, one thing that bothered the hell out of me with that whole entire thing, 
I, I love – I think that Paul's doing a great job. I really do. I think Raw's turned around a lot, especially since he's, he's creatively been involved. But with the, with the brothers, the good brothers, dude, they're, they're money on the mic. They're hilarious. And the way they interact with AJ is great. Why didn't they all have live mics going to the fucking ring so they all could have talked shit instead of just being AJ? I feel like that they wanted to script it, and AJ was like, no, nah, just let me do it. And then they just let AJ do it because it seemed like he actually was trying to get heel heat and wasn't working off a script. And you could tell by the way that he kind of went uh, like went off the crowd um, quite He's a bit. So good. You know what I mean? Um, he was fucking money, uh, especially get, turning the crowd against him and interrupting Austin. Shut up, and, Austin. Like, yeah, calling him an old fart. Uh, yeah, AJ was. AJ's normally he's not my favorite on the mic, but he did. He was really, really well. He did really well in that segment. The person who kind of died in that segment was Seth Rollins because he chose to say that he was the best wrestler in the world, and he wasn't even the best wrestler. <laughs> that was going to come out for that segment. Like you got AJ Styles chance. You got CM Punk chance. Someone, there was a chant that started for Okada, which I thought was fucking hilarious. And I was like, God bless That's New awesome. York <laughs> for starting an Okada chant. Um, he could probably say that in like the middle of Ohio, but like in New York saying you're the best in the world, that thing died a hard death when he said that. Uh, I think that Seth is fucking incredible. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great wrestler, but that's not the crowd to say that in front of, <laughs> probably. <laughs> You're going to get a little bit of backlash. Yeah. And I thought Braun was really good uh, by saying he was going to stomp a mud hole in Seth Rollins' ass, and then or, and then he's going to get them hands. Like, I thought that was, like, cleverly put together. That that seemed kind of written, but it worked where it was put. So, overall, I really enjoyed that segment. And a little bit of Question specifically about that. It was good. People were ragging on um, the fact that that uh, Braun tried to shake Steve's hand, like he shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like of all people, I feel like Steve Austin is like an Undertaker, where situations like that it doesn't bother me. If Braun, this monster, you know, try, even even if if Steve doesn't do it back because he was still pissed at him for talking shit online or whatever the fuck the reasoning was, um, I thought it was. I didn't mind that, but I know that people got bothered by that because it's like Braun Strowman is basically Big Show meets Austin. I don't really – I know I said don't make him the Big Show, but, I mean, it is true. He's basically those concepts kind of concocted into one, right? Yeah, and I will say that I didn't have a problem with it. And the reason I didn't have a problem with it is Austin looked at it, and he looked at the contract, and he looked at him, and then Seth came out. And the very first thing that Braun said was like, I respected you so much growing up, and I loved you as a wrestler. So it made sense that he would try to shake Stone Cold's hand, even though he knew there was no way hell that Stone Cold was going to shake his hand. But then after Stone Cold got the contract signed, he did shake Braun's hand. So, like, what was the problem? I don't I don't like, know. If that was the biggest problem you had about – Because a monster's not supposed to be shaking hands with anyone, even if it's Steve Austin. It's like, get, get Braun's not a monster. He's not a monster anymore. I'm like that abominable <laughs> snowman and R- Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. If you're talking about Braun from last summer flipping over reins in an ambulance or whatever, then yes, okay, he was a monster. But the Braun that they've had him be, I mean, right now he's tag-teaming with Seth Rollins. Like, he is not, I'm just going to go kill things monster. And he reflected that in his promo by saying, I respect the hell out of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Stone Cold did shake his hand, so 
it's not like it was crazy for him to try to eat a handshake. The entire point was like Stone Cold wanted to make sure that they signed the fucking contract because that's what they brought him there to do. And when you bring in the rattlesnake, he's going to get the job done. That's just part of Steve Austin's gimmick. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) So, like, I had zero problems with that. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff in WWE this week that you could get mad at. That's, like, so small that you're fucking really nitpicking at that point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god well it's the internet so what do you expect um yeah i'm trying to think um i do want to talk mainly about the king of the ring before we get out of here but i will say i really felt bad for grand Metzalik. i i wish that they would have given him more time with ray you know someone like dave metzler always compliments this guy and every time i've ever seen him in the cruiserweight matches uh he might not have the best physique per se but he hides underneath the fucking shirt. It's not like he's overweight or anything like that, but the guy can move. And I like that Ray is kind of doing what Daniel uh, was doing not too long ago and kind of picking people that he wants to work with. Kurt Angle very much too, where they want to kind of highlight guys that they like that are influenced by them that, you know, they want to kind of give a rub to. And I felt like the match just, it didn't get a chance to really get started, but I'm glad that Ray was able to get a win because they've, fucking had him lose a bunch to well what Andrade who just lost I don't even know wins and losses don't matter Chris uh were you satisfied with Grand Metalik showing with Rey Mysterio I actually was I'm surprised that they did like a lucha match this was just a straight luchador WCW a triple a type match I thought it was good and the crowd reacted to it well and um you know, you can give him a couple of matches like this and then build to something else. I think eventually it's leading to something with the sun, right? Um, it just sucks that Ray kept Dominic. getting injured because yeah, – Yeah, Dominic. It sucks that Ray kept getting injured because I think the initial idea was, you know, Ray and Joe with Joe going after his son. Um, and then they dialed that back and they went back to the well with Andrade, but then Andrade had some family deaths. So, like, race push and stop has been – just kind of unfortunate by circumstances of injuries and people passing away. So hopefully, you know, we'll get to see this play out because I I love Ray and I would love to see more Lucha in WWE if done right. I think he's the perfect guy to get you there, whether you're going to do it in the cruiserweight division or maybe he gets drafted to 205 or something crazy like that. Um, I'm interested to see where they go with it for sure. And I want to see what they do with Dominic too, because they keep showing him. So something is going to happen. One would think. Um, in a normal wrestling company. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. All right, so come on, let's break down uh, the uh, King of the Ring. Uh, so we had a triple threat match on Raw between Baron Corbin, Ricochet, and Samoa Joe. Uh, it was a good match, uh, very, very back and forth. I, like I said, man, Baron Corbin even more so than Elias. And, I mean, me and you have always praised, I think, Baron Corbin. For a big guy, he can move. He can really – I'm very impressed by him running outside the ring, coming in, clothesline, that number. I love both of his signatures and finishers. I think it's gotten to the point where he's aggravated the audience, but I don't think it's go-away heat per se. I think it's much more like they just don't like him because he's, he's become a good heel. He's unlikable. He's a dick bag. I'm glad he's not wearing the waiter's uniform. I much prefer the, uh, the wife beater that he's wearing. But um, – he ended up screwing over uh, Ricochet and pinning Samojo. Yes, once again, Samojo is pinned. Maybe Samojo is another person I would love to show up back on NXT, uh, just saying. 
And then we had on the other part uh, that weird fucking kooky-ass match on SmackDown with Kevin Owens forced to be the referee, and it ended up being two out of three. Elias is actually injured in real life, so they brought in Shane last minute, and they kind of pulled back in the Kevin Owens storyline with Shane McMahon. So I guess I have to appreciate it to that level because I didn't know where the fuck. I, I, I don't think that they were probably doing anything else with it. wasn't really sure. Shane hasn't been on in a while, so it was a little bit confusing. Anyways, long story short, uh, Shorty G and or Chad Gable beat Shane out of two out of three when he tapped out to the ankle lock before even Kevin could really do anything and still got fired for it. Love to throw at you, Chris, but how do you feel about Baron Corbin so far uh, getting built in this tournament? And Elias, like I said earlier for that matter, when people criticize their in-ring skills. And um, how do you feel about Samoa Joe taking the loss? How do you feel about Baron Corbin winning the Rob Lock, if you will? And all the bullshit with Shane and Kevin Owens. And now our finals, that's going to be next Monday. Uh, And I understand a lot of people are mad that they – why is this on the pay-per-view? Because it will be put in the middle of nothing, and there's 50 fucking matches on it. There's already 11 matches. We don't – it's fine. There will be reason for people to tune into Raw. Anyways, but now our finals, like I said, are Chad Gable versus Baron Corbin. How do you feel about all the shit involved with the matches? I have no problem with Baron Corbin winning. I thought it was really weird that they didn't put Samoa Joe out of the tournament earlier if that was where they were going to go. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a really good match. Baron Corbin's had a good showing since they came back. I like, like I said, I think absence makes the heart grow a bit fonder. So him taking that like almost month off and not being pushed in the main event, every fucking show, I think helped him a lot for there for, for a time there, he was getting go away heat because we would see him like three times a night on raw, like once an hour, which is just way too much for Baron Corbin. Um, I do like that. He changed his gear up. I think that's great. I, I do think he's probably going to lose the King of the Ring, mostly because they just keep him keep he keeps putting the crown on, which kind of leads you to believe with the way they built Chad Gable that Chad Gable should get the unexpected victory. Um, so I think that's probably where they're going to go. I think Chad Gable's had a really good showing as well. Uh, he had a good match with Shane for what it was. I thought the finish was stupid. Uh, it's a little bit fucked because Shane had jury duty, which is crazy. And Kevin Owens had to go back home for like two or three weeks. So they have, they, I mean, this is how they worked that storyline in there. I thought it was very just shoved in there. I know Elias is hurt with a, an ankle, but that's like perfect for the finish they did in the match because you could have just had Gable grab his ankle, put him in like a very soft ankle lock. Then you say he broke Elias's ankle um, and you put Gable over that way as opposed to what they did, and, and now it's kind of like a fuck weird finish that didn't have anything to do with Gable or his push. Um, but yeah, hopefully Gable coming out of King of the Ring will be really strong, and I, I could see him. He right now he is like the most pure babyface, with maybe the exception of Kofi Kingston they have. So hopefully they use him right. I, I think him being the king would be kind of cool, and I hope that they don't make him, like, walk around with the fucking crown on his head and give him a king gimmick and call him, like, Shorty G the king or something stupid. Like, just have him be proud of the accomplishment and uh, go out there and say that he deserves a title shot, like against Orton or something. Like, you know, make something cool happen with him. I'm right with you on that. Please do not call him Shorty G the king. Oh, God. All right, so last thing that we should probably talk about before we get out of here from Ron SmackDown. Uh, new episode of Firefly Funhouse aired, 
uh, and all the puppets were scared of this Stone Cold Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. So just like the last week, because Bray commented on the last uh, Firefly Funhouse that, um, you know, kind of catering to the rumors that he was going to go against either Braun Strowman or Seth, which really has not been, I don't think, 100% confirmed. That was our confirmation that he acknowledged it. But now if you think about it, Tonight, he even said, you know, he kind of talked about the rumors that he was going to attack Austin and how there's a stranger danger, stranger danger. And he said, don't worry about it. I'm not worried about that old rattlesnake or whatever the hell he said. And then he turned 316, which has had the whole entire Internet blowing up into, I think, 11 – I can't remember the exact date. It was, it was the date of hell in a, it's the date of hell in a cell. I mean, that's the only thing to take out of it. Oh, it was the date of Hell in a Cell? I thought people yeah, were saying it, it was 11, so it, it was November, as in the the um, when uh, Undertaker premiered live um, for the first time. Because I thought it was 11-something. Wouldn't October be maybe, 10? Maybe it was. I thought, I thought it was the date of Hell in a Cell. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, maybe it was when Undertaker premiered, but then he didn't attack Undertaker, so maybe he's just doing whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. I think he's fucking with their heads, which I think is great, actually. I think as a character, he's shown, I mean, so intriguing what's going to happen with them. And, you know, even though he didn't attack Stone Cold and Undertaker, the fact that I was watching it partially to see if that was going to happen, I think is probably a good thing. Now, if it can be used against us as fans, that will blow up in their face pretty immediately because we'll just get sick of it. But still, Bray Wyatt, he's doing pretty damn well, I would say, in WWE. Yeah, and I mean, there's no, I mean, he still could, you still could see him attack Taker. I just, I mean, I would assume Taker's going to be gone until Rumble, right? Yeah. Or am, or am I completely crazy on that? I mean, you can't hotshot those guys every week. So I would assume Taker's going to be gone for a while. They've used him like five Shit. times this year, which is, which is way fucking more than they normally do headed into Mania. No, dude, uh, he, I just realized this. Uh, Stone Cold's supposed to be, and I think Undertaker, are on that card full of people, including Sting, that are going to be on the, uh, the uh, what is it, 20th anniversary of SmackDown? It's going to be on the first episode on Fox, the premiere episode or some shit like that. That's in a couple weeks. Yeah, that is in a couple weeks. So maybe you get the killing then, which that Kill would make all. sense as well. All right. Well, I mean, all right, honestly, WWE. if you're going to have – if you're going to have them come back, you might as well try to fucking put Bray over. Like, especially coming back as many times as they have. This will be the third time he's came back and, like, the fifth or sixth time Undertaker's come back. Like, at least get a rub out of it. Yeah. I agree, man. I was thinking, like, Red Wedding style. Just have him just annihilate all the legends. Have him out there and just, like, the lights start fucking up. And then you just see a strobe light and you see a guy with a chainsaw and just, all of them dead. Uh him with a barbed wire bat would be fucking awesome. Like if he just yeah, came in or, there swinging those at all, all the legends or something like, or some kind of unique weapon, that would be cool. Like I'd be down for that. That'd be kind of fucking crazy. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I also, the young rattlesnake thing when you were talking, like not scared of the old rattlesnake, maybe he is talking about brawn because of the way they set up that promo on Monday. So it could just be that uh, as well. I don't know. Hmm. But I think the whole point is uh, they've done a really good job of keeping the intrigue with him, and I think that's why his character has worked so well. Um, so I'm looking forward to it no matter what. Like, that's the one thing each week I'm like, 
what the hell is Braun going to do this week? Is, or Bray going to do this week? Is he going to show up? Is Bray going to be there? We're going to get a fun house? Like, it's one of the fun things about Raw and SmackDown right now, for sure. Dude, you're going to start hearing Yowie Wowie at sporting events for, like, a chant. I'm telling you. In the next couple of months, it's going to happen. It's going to be fucking weird. All right. Well, I think that's it, guys. I think that's another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Coming to you normally uh, every Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST. There might be changes in the mix. We've been also switching with Saturday. You can be hearing us Wednesdays and Saturdays sometimes, depending on how much we're, we're, we're going to take on. But for you guys, we'll try to do a bunch. If you want to go to our website, .com, that's Geek Fives Nation or GV Nation, whatever, .com. You can find all of our news articles for comics, comic book movies, wrestling, uh, science fiction, you name it, we got it, as well as links to not only our social media platforms on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come follow me at Facebook, Dane Alves, message me, uh, come to our Facebook page, have a conversation, that would be great. Um, you can also find ways to listen to us outside of Blog Talk. Uh, there's links for our Spotify, our Stitcher, um, our uh, iTunes account. Everything's listed there. So go to geekvibesnation.com to check all that out. And uh, come back next week with us. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining me tonight once again to Bullshit That Wrestling. And uh, say goodbye to everyone. Hey, guys. It's Chris. Once again, thank you guys for listening. You made it this far. You've made it through uh, Italian Pat Patterson, me yelling about the women's division, um, and doing some fantasy booking. So congratulations. You've made it to the end of the show. Uh, all jokes aside, you can reach me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter, uh, Christopher Ray Patton on Facebook. Make sure you uh, check out, if you're a hockey fan, for sure, Skates to Throats. My weekly hockey podcast that usually usually shows up on Sunday night, Monday. Uh, we record on Saturday. It's a recorded show, so it's not live. But uh, tons of news coming up there. We got the preseason coming up, so a bunch of stuff to talk about. And as always, check out all the Geek Vibes podcasts. We, these guys do a great fucking job on all of the shows. Uh, it's, it's constantly on my playlist. But uh, Dane, thank you so much for having me once again. Always glad to be part of this show, and uh, I love you, bud. And everybody else, have a great fucking week. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold says so. All right, everyone. Serious. You guys have a great night. And since I did this last night and I found out we have the option, I'm probably going to do this more often on all my shows. Also, check out Mondays Suck on Mondays. I talk about a bunch of shit. Politics, movies, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely check that out. 6 p.m. EST. So, uh... Join me next week for another episode of Dragon Ball Z. I'm a great Saiyan warrior, not a variety of flower. Uh, I don't understand. I'm Frieza. I'm a... Uh, uh. Peace out, bitches! <laughs>